As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be. Oh man, it's right. eight o'clock. And so that'll make it a. I don't need the spotlight. I shine just fine. Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I am a bitch. Brav Bros. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brav Bros, your favorite podcast from the bros for everyone, for whoever wants to listen. I am your co-host, Steel Russell, joined as always by the one and only Shooter Magooter. What's up, Shoots? What do you want? We can tell everybody that I just, it took me three tries to get our intro right because I forgot the words because I'm still a little brain dead. Yeah, very brain dead. Usually these cold openings just kind of come to me. Yeah. I got fucking nothing, dude. Oh, you're you're, dead. You're ice cold? Ice. Oh, yeah. Well, I will let everybody know. I lit a fire. So we're in my back room. That's the studio. And it's an awesome room. It's got like a nice brick wall to it. It was an addition later on when they built the house. It's also got this beautiful wood fire fireplace, like a stove in the back. But due to poor insulation, it gets a little chilly back here. So the bros are cozied up by a fire right now. I might fall asleep. I'm no, you not can't do lie. That. You can't do that because we got we got things that we need to discuss on here. Has anybody ever fallen asleep on a podcast? Just like it has I'm nothing sure to do with happened. the content or anything that we're doing. It's just me. Yeah, actually, being you know too what? Cozy. Part of my take: Billy Football fell asleep on one. Oh, that was and on he a was Zoom, in the yeah. Doghouse for a while. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. There's one. There's one. All right. But there we go. I'll cold open you. So we got back from L.A. It was an amazing weekend. The boys balled out out in uh Hold on. Before we move forward, what do you mean you'll cold open me? I'll cold open you. That sounds hot. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. yeah I'm in though. I'm back. I'm back. That's all I needed yeah, to do. I yeah. needed to get you riled up a little yep, bit. A little so, aroused. I'm ready to roll. Okay, cool. Let me cold open you again. So we're, <laughs> we spent the weekend in LA at my brother's house in, how do you say it? Uh, Los Felix. Los Felix, as Shooter calls it. Either Los Felix. Or Los Felix were his two beginning options. Uh, we we got it down to Los Felix. That's how the locals say it. Yeah, I'm not really worried about what the locals say. I just start reading signs, and well, I didn't get myself into too much trouble, which is good, because I did say I think on our Uber from LAX to his house about five or six different things completely incorrect. Yes. So I just kind of kept my mouth shut. Well, I want to do this because for the longest time you've had some preconceived notions about LA. You you seem to have some some negativity towards L.A., if you will. So after spending the weekend there, because I like L.A., I love visiting L.A. I'm definitely not a West Coaster where I could live out there, but I love visiting. Like three, four, five days, then get me back out of there. Perfect. What are your thoughts? I, I think my thoughts, the positive takeaways. Let me go. Yeah, let's do that. Probably have nothing to do with the city itself. Okay. The positive takeaways are the weather. Yeah, great weather, which we looked like clowns Saturday or Sunday morning walking around because we had shorts and T-shirts on. I guess it's winter for them. So there's people walking around with like their hoodies and vests and they're all puffed up and it's freezing to them. I was having a great time. Yeah. Um, So we clearly did not look like locals. However, great weather. I also love the time difference. The idea that I can watch football at 10 a.m. and then the Sunday night games at five, which we didn't get to catch anyway, which wasn't a good game. But. I love the idea of that. Yeah. As far as the city itself, not I, the I think city. I do need to see, maybe not the city, but the area. Like, I liked where we stayed. That was a cool, Brooks's spots are really, like, that Los Feliz area, like, right near Silver Lake. Silver Lake, yeah, yeah. Those places were really cool. I like that, which, you know, I don't know if that goes to show you what LA is, but the city itself, still not impressed. Well, we went downtown and had, like, an LA brunch at Perch, which was yeah. great. You want to tell the some... story after? 
that we were uh, walking around the jewelry district and saw a big pile of human shit on the sidewalk that somebody had unfortunately stepped in and did like a cartoon slip on. Yeah. Like, you yeah, can and- clearly see the heel where they landed in the poop. Hey, we're back to poop. See, things are normal again. We're home. Yeah, things are back. <laughs> we're home. Back to the poop. But yeah, we slipped on the poop. We fell for the trap that pretty much every traveler to every city ever falls for. Yep. Hey, let's go grab some brunch. I had a few drinks. Oh, there's a dispensary nearby. Let's just walk and not figure out where we are. Just bop around. And, you know, we got to see some of the city. It wasn't like the coolest area ever. (laughs) We did see a pile of poop. But uh, the brunch spot was great. Perch. Perch was dope. Perch was really good. Just, you know, downtown LA. And like, look, we're from Philly. So I'm not putting my nose up in the air to anybody. Not at all. Our, Our city is gross in some areas. But we love it. But we do love it. I will I, say. I, I was just underimpressed with how much there was. There wasn't like a lot to do. Not in the downtown area. No. I think that's again the surrounding. I don't know that much. There were no restaurants. There's no bars. It was just like jewelry stores, cash for gold, which come to think of it now that we're saying it out loud, we probably should have realized where we were before. But you know yeah, what? What are you going to do? But the show was amazing. Uh, we had an absolute blast with everybody there. It was a giant ensemble of Bravo content creators. Reza was there, Gigi was there, Dodie was there. All of them were great. Reza was hysterical. Dodie let some shit slip on stage, which was funny. Yep, uh, always good. We hung out with Luke, her boyfriend, for a while. Pleasure as always. But we had a really nice time out in L.A. Had a great show. We're we're really happy to be back in our like comfort zones. We were talking about that like pre-show. These seats in here, like this room, like brings us back to neutral. <laughs> it does. It honestly does. And I I just found out, which is great for uh, Bravo content. I don't have to go to the office for like a month. Let's go. We just get to do whatever the hell we want. Yeah, no rules. No rules. Just kidding. I still have to work at home. But there's one rule. We did, in true fashion, true bro fashion, make sure that we got the flight so that we could get home in time for the birds last night. And the funny thing is, everybody that I've talked to, including your wife when I came over last night, they're like, are you guys not tired of each other yet? I think we spend so much time together now that it just doesn't matter. No, it I think doesn't. after like a, like obviously today, you know, I don't have to see you for a couple of days. Thank God, fine, fine by both of us. However, no, every every person I talked to, I called my mom today, let her know how the trip was. She's like, "Where'd you watch the game last night?" Oh, Steels. Why? You guys aren't tired of each other? We come attached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gave me a cold open, and now yeah. we just join. Now somewhere. we're just attached at the tip, hip. <laughs> Is that a new human centipede? Yeah, surgically attached. Uh, I don't to the like tip. this at all. I don't like this. Let's get back to let's get to Bravo stuff. Uh, enough of your nonsense. We're delirious. Yeah, so, we are. This is gonna be a fun episode for everybody listening. Yeah, good luck. But uh, we need to talk about some power rankings because it's that time of the week. So I'm gonna go first this week, and I've got five being Potomac. Okay. I've got four uh, for Beverly Hills. I've got three, ooh, Miami, two Salt Lake, one Southern Charm still. Okay, I, I think that's pretty good. I've got um, I've got Miami at five. Okay. Um, still need to see more. I know that we we didn't really get a whole lot last week. Obviously, the Larsa of it all. While it's good TV, it, I didn't really enjoy it. Okay. So you know, it's not enough for them to bump up anywhere. But again, it's not a bad five. It's not an OC five, if you will. It's just... Well, OC was never five. OC was like 50. Uh, yeah, that number just kept growing. It was great. So yeah, I've got Miami at five. I'm going to put Potomac at four. Beverly Hills, three. 
Salt Lake to Southern Charm One. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm with you. That's why the, these are tougher power rankings than we've had. There's no like standout bad shows right now. Yeah, it's They're a good problem enjoyable. to have. Yeah, we actually have to think for sure. But uh, I think Southern Charm is just above and beyond the other shows, though, which is interesting because like everyone's having a good season. Southern Charm, this could be one of their best seasons ever, and I'm I might get some shit for that. But it is so good. I don't, I don't so think you good. would. I, I feel like this is their best season ever. Like, you can tell every episode. And while there's still overlaying issues and there's a storyline, if you will, there's new evidence. There's new conversations that come into play pretty much every week. So it doesn't seem like it's getting stale, even though they're not coming up with new information. They're not coming up with, like, a new aspect or a fight or whatever you want to say. It's just getting deeper and deeper, and they're answering the questions that we kind of want the answers to. I think that a big part of it is, like, we're used to scandals, obviously, relationship scandals, cheating scandals, all that shit. But it seems more played up, I guess. Yeah. Like, where they're, oh, they were hiding this, but it's a big reveal. And, oh, they were hiding this, but it's a big reveal. This seems like they're genuinely trying to hide shit. Yeah. And they genuinely just keep unearthing things. Right. And they're like, fuck, like, stop digging. And it just all seems so organic. And you've got Craig on the other side of it and having the dynamic of a best friend still be supportive of Austin, but the whole time saying, no, you keep fucking this up. You're fucked up. This whole situation sucks. I don't stand by you there. But I stand by as a friend. Like you, you have so many dynamics. You have the scorned ex and Shep, who's trying his best to stay amicable because he's a gentleman, which is hysterical. Like that he is really funny. To give just, in, I'm just genuinely a happy guy. Yeah. Like what? A, what a response! <laughs> like you're allowed to be upset, man. Like I, I would say that like genuinely, I'm a pretty happy guy. But if I don't like somebody, I'm not going to hang out with them. Like, if somebody did something to me, I'm just going to cut them off. Yeah, it's I not going to affect me being happy. Still, it's almost more damning if you, you know bite your tongue and just hang out with people that scorn you because then yeah. you kind of look like a bitch. Yeah. And then you're not going to be happy anymore. No, not at all because now you're a bitch. No, I agree. <laughs> and I, I think that the good thing about Southern charm has been obviously, you know, watching for a couple of years, they have all kind of grown within themselves. Except so Austin. I feel like, yeah, well, Austin, even Austin has, he's more self-aware. Looked, exactly. But that's, a, that's a huge, huge jump from where he was a couple of years ago. Okay. But if you were to compare pretty much everybody on the show, who they are today and where they were five, six years ago, it's vastly different. I know, you know, they're still Peter Pan, Peter, Peter Pan men. What are, uh, what are, um, Peter Panman? Oh, fuck. I thought, I think Whitney said something. Peter Pan I? Peter Pan. Now we're just stuck. What this is going to happen? I don't know what you're times. trying to say. Peter Pan syndrome? Maybe. Peter, are you trying to say the plural of Peter Pan? Yep. Oh, I wanted to say Peter Penn. Peter Penn. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, how, what do you call a lot of pens? Pens. <laughs> pens. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> not pens. Uh, Peter. Peter Pants. Let's just go with Peter pans, pans. All right. That's not that much fun. It's not fun. Peter Potts. Pods. Pots and pans. Oh, I like that. All right. <laughs> it makes no sense to anybody but us. Anyway, you can see the difference between where they were a couple years ago and where they are now. I don't think that this storyline looks even remotely the same as it would if it were to be the same thing five, six years ago. Because you wouldn't have a mature Craig. Okay. You wouldn't have a self-aware Austin. You wouldn't have Shep. I don't think that Shep would have been as amicable with Austin, say, four or five years ago as he I is now. he would be taking... So I think you'd try to be as amicable as he is. I think he'd be taking more shots without even knowing it. Yeah, probably. I I think that we would just get like one or two more 
really drunk blow-ups from Shep. Okay. Because he's just internalizing which everything. Which we yeah, we definitely still could get. But I just feel like the way that it works and to kind of like touch with your dynamics, the dynamics of the whole group, it works really well for the storyline. Yeah. Because we get to know them even more and how they actually think. Mm-hmm. How you know a crazy situation like this can cause them to completely implode or how they're going to be able to handle it. And I feel like it's working really well this year. And like I said, even though there's not new things that are dropping every episode, the conversations are just captivating. They're so captivating. And with that, let's just jump right into Southern Charm. But we start out at Patricia's house and it is their annual gentleman's dinner. I called it the dude's dinner. That makes more sense to me. Yes. But they're having the dude's dinner and they're having a, a meeting beforehand and it's Whitney and Shep and Patricia and they're recapping what happened in the mountains. And uh, Taylor comes up and he mentions that they kissed. What we didn't really get and we got more of it today was the fact that there was a kiss. Then he went to bed. Then she entered the room and tried to wake him up. So from what it sounds like, she wanted more out of this. Yes. And Shep was the one that turned her away. And in his confessional, he says, you know, I don't want this to happen again. I really don't think Shep wants to push it to that place. I do think that he just wants a friendship with her. Yeah. Which is interesting because I would imagine that he would jump at any chance he had to hook up. So that was actually surprising for me. And he might have been too drunk to even wake up. But it's a possibility. He, I mean, he was really drunk and obviously emotions were all over the place. So I honestly wouldn't have even faulted him if anything more did happen. But I, for whatever reason, weirdly enough, I believed him when he said that he too. said that he doesn't want to backslide. And I think it really is that he he knows now he does not want a relationship at all. Right. He knows that nothing good is going to come from hooking up with Taylor. Now, obviously, she's the one who perpetrated it and came in and kissed him so he can hold that over her head which he might do. He will. Which he definitely will do. But for him to have the awareness of, okay, yeah, no, if anything more happens, then it would just get messier and messier, and then I'll never be her friend. Right. Because that's really, that's the only thing that can come out of that. You're not going to get into another relationship with her. It's not good for either of you. You hook up and go a little bit further than that. She's going to regret it, and she's going to keep her distance. So I think he understands that as much. I don't, you know, again, you have to sit down with, Whitney and Patricia and talk about it. I don't understand why you're talking to them about it, but I think they that, seem to be his confidant. Yeah, they probably are. Um, not, you know, it's funny because I was, I was waiting to see what Whitney's reaction was just because I want to see how Whitney feels about Taylor, because I want to know if there's more to that. Like if he got a nude, he might be thinking, all right, maybe I will hook up with Taylor. Maybe that oh, could happen. And so. he didn't at all. Like, no, his reaction was just like, oh shit, what are you doing? Shep? I don't think that he, I don't know. He like the way that he operates and his feelings. He's just on a different level. Like, yeah. I don't know what he's we thinking don't know feeling most of the time. Personally, we know nothing We're about not it. going to because he's a producer on the show. Yeah. He's going to make sure that he shows what he wants you to see right. of Whitney to a certain extent. Like, he's not going to dive into the closets of his relationships and For stuff sure. like that because he doesn't want that shit getting out there. I'm sure I'm almost positive that if we were able to successfully dig into Whitney's drama, there's probably a laundry list. Oh, I'm sure there's, it's probably really good TV too. It's probably fantastic. Such a strange dude, but he's got enough going on with the people on the show that he doesn't have to worry about that aspect of it. But they do say that they're going to have like a Royal theme to this. And I have to ask you because I have my thoughts and feelings on the the Royal family. No, I, the stupidest fucking thing in the world. People who are obsessed with the Royal family, one, not our country. 
get over it. <laughs> like seriously, even I guess I would understand it a little bit more if the people in England were obsessed with them because they're monarchs and it's like cool for them and classic. I don't care. But to be in America and be obsessed with the royal family is weird. I don't understand it. No. I guess. And like I'm not saying that if you you're saying that if you're into it you're weird. I'm not saying that. I just simply don't understand. Like what's the allure? They don't do anything. They're yeah. just born. They run charities. They're, you're they live born. in the biggest, most expensive place in the country. And they, they cost the taxpayers millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So I just, I, just, I guess I don't terrible. understand it. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't click. I don't vibe with it. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, there's a reason why the world doesn't have monarchs really anymore. And yeah. it's because just because you're born doesn't make you special. I think that's what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah. But anyway, now that we've uh, taken a dig they're at the not even family. attractive. Let's just keep going. They're not even hot. <laughs> Like, at least if they were hot, you'd be like, all right, like, beautiful people. That's cool. Beautiful people in a position of power. Love that. You see, like, a prime minister or something pop up, and you're like, all right. That's a I'm sexy prime that. minister. Yeah. Like, a sexy dude, sexy girl, prime minister, all in on that. Yeah. I'll be obsessed with that, and then I'll start listening to politics. I don't give a shit about the royal family. No, I don't either. All right, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yep, there we go. Moving on, we get to Paige and Craig, and they're talking about what else would they be talking about? They're talking about the future, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out their plans moving forward. It's the same conversation that we've heard time in, time out, with no real resolution. And it almost sounds like Paige is surprised. Like, she's like, oh, are you trying to marry me? It's like, you know he is. You've had this talk. We've talked about this. We talked about it on Summer House. We're talking about it on Southern Charm. I'm sure he talked about it on Winter House at some point. It comes up all the time. I don't see any leeway, any budging. I don't, like, she comes up with the same kind of arguments and stuff like that. And look. This is not me talking smack on their relationship. They seem great. Like, they seem like they're cool. They seem like they love each other. All that good stuff, all the things you want in a good relationship. For me, though, at what point are we going to get that next conversation where it moves forward? I mean, we got to talk about, well, she needs friends. She likes Madison. Okay, great. But there's a lot more to this in, like, moving this relationship forward. And she says, you know, I feel like we're still young. Like, yeah, sure, you are. Craig's older, so he wants things different sooner and i guess are we reaching a point where there's going to be a breaking point i know you talked about it last week or two weeks ago that at some point you wouldn't be surprised if there was kind of a blow-up moment whereas i said i could see this kind of continuing how it is but i think that you're naive to think that there's not some very serious sit down and relatively soon where it's like look what the fuck are we doing yeah no, i think you're right um i'm trying to figure out where the angle is on all of this because like Bravo teased it last week in the scenes from this week, and they made it seem like Paige was kind of an asshole during the conversation and she kind of downplayed. Not. Yeah, and I didn't think she was at all. Like even the comment about like, "What are you trying to marry me?" Like that's just playful flirting. No, I, no, I agree. No, I no, I, I know you're you're good with it. I'll stop mansplaining to you. No, it's okay. You can mansplain <laughs> to me. Um, but no, I I think that the way that Bravo is trying to paint it is okay. There's more drama here, and there's really not because we're kind of stagnant at this point. Yeah. And again, as long as the two of them are okay with the fact that they're stagnant, which you know we don't think that Craig really is. But what's he going to do? He's not going to break up with her. He, it's the love of his life, so he wants to continue, and he knows that eventually something's going to give, and they're going to be able to figure the whole thing out. I think we're just kind of seeing baby steps, which baby steps don't really apply to reality TV. We want everything now. That's and a good instead point. we're getting, okay, well, I need to have a home base down here. So Craig redoes his entire house, buys a house, redoes the entire thing. She really likes the house. Okay, cool. Now what's next? Okay, I need friends. I like Madison. Hang out with Madison. I think based on the conversations that we get, whether it's with Craig and Paige or later when Shep says, I don't even know Paige, like she doesn't come out. 
I think what they're leading into is we're going to have to have at some point a scene or an entire episode where Craig and Paige go out and all the boys down there are just complete assholes probably. And there could be a blow up from that where Paige says, I don't want to hang out with people like Shep and Austin because they're annoying and they need to grow the fuck up and they're not mature. As we've seen Greg or Craig, Greg, (laughs) as we've seen Craig grow up over the last couple of years, the rest of them haven't. So I don't blame Paige in the sense that she wants to go to Madison. Madison's married. We get to see a completely new Madison talking about how her relationship is great and she feels secure and happy. That's who Paige wants to hang out with. She doesn't want to hang out with the Peter Penn. The Peter Pen. <laughs> nice. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. Wait a minute. I just, something just clicked. So if she hangs out with Madison, yep, she sees this. That could go one of two ways, though. Because oh no! They can they can successfully have a long distance marriage. I was, I was, in the beginning, I was going to say she <laughs> didn't can see how that. happy Madison is with like a wife or a wife with a husband and a kid, but her husband's gone a lot, so that actually might hurt Craig's argument. She'd be like, "See, Damn. Um, he's out and about in California all the time, and they're fine, so we're fine today." Like. I didn't think about that part. So it's a double-edged sword. Who knows? I mean, at the bottom line. You just do the Malibu voice. I did do the Malibu voice. <laughs> Couple of brews. Cold beach. What is it? Cold brews. Cold brews. Beautiful wave. babes. Uh, beautiful babe. Cold brew. And I'm fine today. If you get that reference, I'm not going to say what it's from. Leave a comment because, I don't know, you'll get no, something. That, that was one of the best documentaries I've seen. Oh, my God. American. Damn it. Damn it. Why would you do that? You cut it. Aha. I'm going to bleep that. Beep. But uh, moving on, we get Rod and Leva. I don't think it's really important. They're trying to keep some life in this Rod Olivia thing. I don't think it's going to pan out. But we get to JT and Taylor's picnic. Fucking hell. And I was actually bummed I didn't get to watch this scene with you because I would love to hear your commentary during it. Dude is fucking delusional. Delulu, if you will. He's Delulu AF because, look, however you want to look at that weekend or that night away in the mountains... He's like, I had your back, Taylor. It's like, Taylor doesn't really deserve to have support in that moment. I mean, well, neither does Shep. Just neither does Shep, to be clear. Yeah, absolutely not. But like, she poked the bear. Shep responded with a really, really asshole thing to say. They both sucked in that moment. Then, you know, she's not helping herself because then she makes out with Shep and then she gets in bed with Shep. And I'm not placing blame. I understand there's a lot going on here, but it's like, if you want to clean up your image, if you want to start going down a better path here and not give people ammo against you when you're trying to get back in the good graces of people, you have to make better decisions, especially when the people around you are trying to help you do so. Even Austin, when he has that scene where it's like, it was pathetic, and he clearly took it personally. Yeah. That's what that was. He was just lashing out because he was bummed out that she got in bed with Shep. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was backsliding. I genuinely right. believe that. But at the same time, if he was being nice there and trying to say, like, I'm trying to support her and she's not accepting the help, all of these people are in your ear. Olivia has even sat down and given you the time of day. They're trying to help you. 
you are a disaster right now and you're not helping yourself at all. Not only that, but JT did not have her back. No, he didn't. What did he do? He made a face? Yeah, he just stood Dude, there. Dude, sick. Super supportive face that you made there. That really helped her out. Yeah, you didn't say you shit. You didn't do anything. You came in and tried to break up the tension and make a joke when everybody's freaking the fuck out. Like, you're not even part of it. You're just not part of this crew. You have no leg to stand on. You shouldn't be talking about anything that you don't understand. And it's so fucking weird. Like, of course the dude has his own little picnic set. I know, right? What a dork. If you're a single guy, all right, all the single guys out there, you're a single guy out there and you've got a single talk with shoots, single talk with shoots. If you're a single guy and you've got a picnic set, grow up. I disagree. And I know I'm married, so maybe my opinion is picnic set. I don't have a picnic set, but I think that if you do it the right way and you have the picnic set, you can play it off like, oh, it's so cute. If it's not serious, but I feel like his was serious. His was serious. And it got to the point where I, I'm, I'm actually going to give him credit first time all season when Taylor started saying, oh yeah, I kissed him. Like it was sort of like an apology kiss. And JT said, do you usually kiss people after or as an apology? That was a good line. I thought he was going to immediately say, well, why don't I just like piss you off or something right now? And then we can kiss as an apology. That would have been funny too. That wouldn't have been funny. That would have been exactly what I expected. Oh, you think that would be his move? That would absolutely be Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the big bombshell that was dropped is that she initiated with Austin. Yes. And I was actually surprised that she was the one that pushed it to that level. And it's confirmed later by Austin, and we'll get there. But JT even says, he goes, that's a pretty big bombshell. And I was like, yeah, it is. And that's going to piss a lot of people off. Mm Because I think that if it was either mutual or Austin-centric, this is where they should have had a meeting, Austin and Taylor, and been like, all right, can we just say that you did it? Because you're not going to catch as much shit. Or just, hey, we don't really know how it happened. Like I don't know, though, because I feel like, and you know, this is just a logical person speaking. None of the people on the show are logical. No. If it's Taylor that initiated, I'm going to give her a little more grace because of where her life is currently versus Austin doing it. That's bad. I agree with that. Maybe if Austin I, maybe... initiated, then it's like, oh, you're an absolute scumbag. Oh. You've been planning on this forever, and you're the one who started this and pushed a vulnerable girl over the edge and made out with her. That's fucked up, dude. Taylor doing it, it's all of a sudden, okay, Taylor's spiraling. She doesn't know where her head is. You guys were drunk. She initiated. That's what happened, and you guys truly didn't do anything more than that. That's not as bad. That's logical. Yes. I'm speaking from a place of who's going to catch the most shit for this because you know that on Austin's side- Oh, you're right. The yeah. dudes are going to sweep it under the rug. For sure. That's all I'm saying. I'm not- I think that, again, logically, your way makes way more sense. Yeah. But I, from the mind of these people- I think JT was hoping it was Austin that initiated oh, so that sure. he could he continue was, to rip him apart. Watching him get crushed when she talks about other guys is honestly not my favorite thing. Dude, they went on a European trip. He feels like you know he's known her for twenty years. Uh, he, you know just what? Instantly clicked. That, you know, the more we talk about him and the more he does, the more I start to feel bad for him. <laughs> I don't. And even Dev said that earlier. I feel bad for him. I was like, I don't. And as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'll be damned if I if I do feel a little I think bad. For the him. problem is that you you didn't, but now you've met the boss of hating JT. And now you're like, all right, maybe I'm not as bad as Who you. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> so you're looking at me and you're like, I'm not as bad as you. CEO. So I do actually kind of feel bad. Well, regardless, let's move on. And we get Craig and Austin and they are sitting at the bar. And this is my issue with Austin once again, because Olivia texts him twice. He's like, look, two texts, two texts from Olivia. 
it's really convenient that you can sit there now in front of a camera with your buddy and act like you're not playing into this. Open the text. Let's go through the last like 12 hours and <laughs> see the responses, replies, and how much you're texting back. You're making it seem as though she won't leave you alone and that there's something more here. That's, that's just not a good look. Do you think that noise that his phone made when he got the text messages was actually his phone or do you think no, production that was production so that those because my thought is those texts probably came through 10 way, 15 minutes ago like on the way over it. and he just left them on his home screen yeah. so that he could show craig i 1000 yeah, percent agree all of that was calculated yeah that's my point why so, is production helping him out then i think because it plays further into a good season where they're like "Ooh, let's keep stirring up the drama yeah maybe he's too but that was a move. He planned that. He's like, now I can show that I'm being the good friend and I'm doing the best. And he's saying, you know, I'm really trying not to jumble it up. And I just, I'm starting to not believe that. I think that his intentions are pure. I think that he wants to be the good friend. I think that he wants to be able to stand by her and help without getting overly involved and without pushing it to a different level. I think that's what he, in his heart of hearts, wants. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's capable of pulling that off. And I, I say that because of his reaction to Taylor getting in bed with Shep. When it's personal, when it's somebody that's close to him, somebody that he's been intimate with, he has this weird, it's not even protecting thing. He just has this weird, it's almost ownership where he's like, no, no, like that's fucked because you're now laying with Shep, but you told me one thing and we kissed, like you're not supposed to be with Shep again. That's fucked. And then with Olivia, I think that he wants to play the role of the help friend, but I think that he is physically incapable of doing that without muddying the waters. You might be right. I have a different take on it. I think that Taylor waking up with Shep that day was officially the end of Austin Taylor. Their like deep friendship and all that shit that was going on. Oh, that was like I the think final that's it. thing. Yeah. Okay. I think he finally realized like, well, this is very messy, very toxic. I obviously am party to a lot of this. I can remove myself from this and kind of stay away. He's in two situations right now that are both terrible. Yeah. Like, that's got to be tough. And him even... Oh, for him. He put himself there. Well, of course. Yeah, I know. No, I'm not saying, like, I feel bad for him. Okay. I'm just saying that's got to be tough to navigate. Oh, like, yeah, that's sure. That's crazy. I can't even figure that. However, I kind of took him for face value on this one. I think that he, him saying it to Craig, of all people, I think he's taking a little bit of ownership. And I think he's saying, I do want to be friends with her. I'm trying to keep her at like a friend's length. However, there are, you know, stepping stones in there where it's going to be a very confusing time. And he might find himself in another situation with Olivia. She's taking off her bra. They're watching a movie. And it doesn't end the same way that it did two weeks ago. I think he knows that that could be coming and he wants to try to get ahead of it. I hope. But again, like him, it goes back to the texts because him having those ready to go, like, look, she won't leave me alone. Yeah. Again, open the screen because I don't think that it's that one. You're making it seem like it's one-sided and you're this holier-than-thou Austin that's not playing into it. She won't stop texting me. Open it. Show us how much you've been responding and how much like you've been sending texts to her. Don't yeah, just be like, that is she a won't leave it alone. It's like, this to me is a setup and you're trying to show the one guy that will believe in you that you can have some kind of come to Jesus moment, Craig. Mm -hmm. And I, it just, the texts make the whole scene fishy. And for me, everything he says after that moment, I take with a grain of salt. Now I think I just want so bad for them to not hook up. I don't want them to hook up. I just don't want to see it. I really don't want them. I understand TV wise. That would be, you know, a good turn for the season. 
but I don't want to see it. I don't want to get involved in any of that, so I'm hoping that what he's saying is true. What's interesting is that if he wasn't a fuckboy, if he could control himself mm-hmm. and be faithful, they make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. But I don't think he can. No. Hopefully the Austin of the future can with whoever he ends up with. Austin of the future. Austin of the future. My new it's album. Like pretty good. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I say it sounds like a Disney Channel original movie. Oh, remember those? Yeah. Man, those were the days. But we get to the dude's dinner, and everybody arrives. They got their smoking jackets on. If you owned a smoking jacket, what color would it be? And why? Hmm. I don't know. I, I do like the dark red ones. I think they look pretty good. Okay. I'd probably go with the dark green, though. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why? Uh, it brings out my eyes a little bit better. Interesting. Yeah, from okay. what I understand. I was going to go with like a hunter green, but okay. since you pick green, I think I would you go You want to wear green with me? No, no, I would, but just match. for the sake of, you know, adding more to the conversation. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. All right, let's move on. Yeah. I would also be happy with like a classic like black velvet, black suede kind of thing. Yeah, deal. that is that is. You know, with luck. like some white, uh, what do you call it? Accoutrement, if you will. <laughs> We're at a dude's dinner. Less fancy. <laughs> Salute. But uh, I thought it was weird that, and this shows me that there's a lot more animosity than Shep's leading on because no one asked him. And he's just like, hey, Austin, Taylor's dog's at my house and so is her car out of left field. And I was flummoxed. I'm like, do you want to start the evening off this way? Yes, he does. Why? No idea. Like, I don't then- even think Shep knows why. It just comes out of his mouth. He yeah. can't help himself, but it was weird. And then he it goes into what happened at the mountains. We find out that they made out. Then she went to the room. That's when she tried to wake him up. But why bring that up immediately? I have no idea. Honestly, I think that Shep has never acted on any sort of animosity, and he's always just tried to keep things chill. You think it's boiling over to the point no where he has no fucking idea. It. Yeah, so I think he doesn't know out. how to have a beef. Like, he's just shouting random things out. I think that Craig pegs it perfectly, this whole scene. I think that he calls Shep out Mm -hmm. because those two are kind of going at it, not really. And Craig finally is like, you can just say that you really fucked me over and I don't know how to be friends with you anymore. Yeah. Because if this was me and he hooked up with Paige, I would have no idea how to move forward with him. And Craig gets into his bro code, which... He's the only one that can go on this rant. And the I only bro code that made sense. Yeah. And I'm like, that is bro code. All this bro code nonsense we've gotten out of JT and all of this shit during the season, all of that is farce. It is a fallacy. Incorrect. Craig explains it perfectly. This is what bro code is. He didn't adhere to it. You're supposed to be mad. You bottling all of this shit up is only going to result in you being an angry person. Yep. And you like to gallivant around and claim that you're not an angry person, that you're always cool, calm, and collected. There are moments and instances where you can lash out and say, hey, Austin, you probably shouldn't have hooked up with my ex because we're best friends and you're fucking gross. And at this time and place, I don't think we can be friends. Hopefully there's a way forward in the future. But until I'm cool with you because I'm not right now, we're not good. But he's holding so strongly onto this gentleman narrative. I'm a gentleman. I'm I'm happy all the time. First and foremost, sir, you are far from a gentleman (laughs) just because you grew up rich and you have nice things, and you speak a certain way, doesn't make you a gentleman. You can have a black tie and be a douchebag. Guess what? Look in the mirror, Shep. Like, you're not vindicated in my eyes because you got fucked over this season. And for him to play this role of, 
it, it, this would be the one time he could garner sympathy correctly. This is what's crazy. He's not playing the game the right way. If they, no. Which I guess to his credit, at least he's being authentic. He is definitely being authentic, but it's not helping anyone. I mean, even Austin's sitting there like, dude, just fucking yell at me. Yeah, he wants it. He wants it because he, he knows he deserves it. I, like, that's I the one thing. Like, Austin is being pretty real about this whole thing. Yeah, dude, it's a fucked up situation. I'm sorry that I'm even involved in it. Yell at me. Yeah. Get mad at me. Show me that you're angry at me. This hit in me, between, daddy. Hit me, daddy. <laughs> Give me a little spank on the bottom. But showing me that you're, you know, trying to play it cool and all this. Like, we sat here weeks ago and said, why is he trying to play it so cool? He must have an ulterior motive. He must be playing the game. He's going to hold it against Taylor and basically, like, kidnap her into friendship used, using this information, using this situation. Instead, it's just some weird thing that Shep's doing where he doesn't feel like getting into a fight with somebody. I think, honestly, I always forget. And when Shep said he's 43 years old. I think Shep is worried that he's going to lose friends. I think that's like a big thing for him. We actually see it all over. We saw it in the beginning of the season with Austin where he said Shep was gone. Craig was up in New York. All my friends were gone. I had nothing to do for the weekend. These dudes are old. They are old men and they are trying to go out every weekend. And if they lose one friend, that's half their social life easily. I don't think Shep is in a position right now where he already said, I don't want to get into a relationship. So he doesn't have somebody close to him. He doesn't want to lose a friend because if he loses a friend, he's going to lose a drinking buddy. He's going to lose somebody to go out with on a Friday night and hit on chicks that are half their age. Perfectly said. I think you just gave me an aha, like light bulb moment. Shep's afraid to be alone. I think that's true. The rest of it, honestly, I have to like force the analytics because I have no fucking idea. And uh, I don't think Shep it, knows. The rest of it's a question mark. And yeah. I don't know that like, you'd have to be able to step into the psyche of a Shep like person. Very difficult. Really to hard to do, especially if you don't have that kind of money. But I think that's that's the nail on the head. I think he's afraid to be alone. He's getting older and he wants his drinking buddies. Agreed. Well put. But the end of the night is the boys smoking stogies outside and I will say right before the scene, Shep's leaving. Like he just gets up and like bounces. Um, and when he's talking to Craig, this goes to show you that Shep doesn't know how to function right now. Yep. Because he's like, I said everything I wanted to say. Did I? Did I? Did I say everything? And Craig, I, I don't know. Probably not. Well, yeah. yeah I, I doubt sure it. Sure, you've got more in there. You guys still seem quote unquote cool in your own eyes, even though like, this is what's crazy. They both will sit there and bury shit, even when it's like right in front of their face. Uh -huh. It's right there. Just talk about it now. Go in the other room and talk about it. Stop trying to bury shit. But even Shep's questioning what he just said. Craig's like, are you cool? No, no, he's not like, get it out one way or the other fucking fight. I don't care, but have it out because this will not end. Well, this will end with a massive blowout with those two probably not talking again, except they will because they're Austin and Shep and they'll probably smooth it over the next day just so they don't lose a friend. But again, we get back to the end of the evening and we get some prop bets. Love a good prop Love bet. Love a good prop bet. And we get some prop bets on what actually happened between Austin and Taylor and Craig asks Whitney, like, what do you think? He's like, I'm assuming they fucked. And he's like, well, you have to give me your whole house because no, we didn't. The timeline now and this is where we keep getting those nuggets of knowledge that keep this show great. Now the timeline's skewed because we have thought, or it's been implied that something may have happened in New York. Yeah. I don't think it was flat out said New York. No. Even the cutscenes don't make it like apparent that it was New right. York. But the timeline begins in New York and allegedly that's where they had kissed. We don't know that for sure, but fast forward, regardless, they had made out and made the decision to not continue forward. 
and then they had the sleepovers. So you're yes. telling me that after you canoodle with Taylor. But I, I I always thought that. Yeah, because they were having sleepovers as early or as recent as like the first episode. I guess and I never they broke supposedly it down. hooked up before that. Okay, fair. I had never broken it. it it's down. definitely super weird, but it's not new information. Like none of this is really new. I think that everybody thought this was going to be a huge bombshell. I don't think this is a bombshell at all. I don't oh, think see, that I they ever said we made out in New York. We sat down in New York and figured it out. Go back to the tapes. Taylor said it was after New York. This was three weeks later. Timelines obviously on this show make no sense to us ever. Timelines never make sense to us. Timelines just never make sense in general. It is time. I don't know, dude. Flat circle. You want to know? I have no idea because we flew back yesterday hours and lost ago like in three LA. hours ago. I don't know what's going on. However, when they're going through all of this, I'm like, okay, that's not like a huge thing. They, yeah, I guess the rest of the crew now found out. Maybe oh, you had the sleepovers well, after you made out. That's really weird, which it is, objectively speaking, very fucking You're strange. You're platonic sleepovers with somebody you made yeah, out when but you're both single. This isn't like a, at least in my eyes, this isn't a, oh shit, Taylor and Austin did not get their story straight. And now Austin just outed Taylor and there's a whole new thing. Because once you start lying about something and somebody finds out that you lied about it, everybody's just going to peek into the specifics of the situation and say, oh, you definitely, there's definitely more here. You guys definitely hooked up more than once. You guys definitely fucked. You guys did this and that and whatever. I don't think that much new has been shared here, at least with the audience. I think that regardless of how big this bombshell is, I think it's enough to rattle the cages of Austin where he's going to get frustrated. Right. And Taylor's going to get frustrated when he relays the information to her. Neither of them are very good at like maintaining control and not kind of taking it to the next level. Or what's really funny, considering he's done stupid shit so often, they're not good at hiding things. So I Ooh. think that this might be enough to rattle the cages to get more out. I don't know. I think that they, I'm starting to think that this was timed up actually. What are the odds that Taylor sits down with JT and says, I initiated. And then that night Austin is open about it and says she initiated. You think it Kinda was weird. Planned. Yeah. Let's get our story oh, straight. I'm going to go hat. sit with JT. I can tell JT this instead of everybody else because I don't want Olivia to know right now. I can't talk to Olivia about it. She'll fucking kill me. So I'll sit down with JT and talk about it and spill the beans and say I initiated it. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out, I'm sure. But they did it within the same episode. So it's got to be at least a day or two apart. Maybe even the same goddamn day. Who knows? Interesting. But it's just weird to so me. This calls into question pre-planning. Yes. So Taylor Ooh. sitting down with JT. While that didn't seem super out of character for J for Taylor and JT, Austin spilling that much information on camera when they're asking him point blank questions is pretty odd to me. Interesting. Because he didn't do that stammering thing. He didn't like it was kind of like walk through a sentence and then like change his mind and then put his head up in the air and like look around when he lies like he did that in the first episode. He went straight at it. So either one, it's pre-planned, or two, he's telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are the only things. Both seem... Both could be true. Uh, eh. But that takes us to Potomac, and we are still at Ashley's housewarming party, and we get the, the ending of that Osu conversation with Wendy and Ashley, which kind of sets you up for the rest of the episode. But the big story here is Robin's talking to the ladies, and it's really frustrating to watch her defend herself against them. When if you rewatch that scene of like the intervention, the wantervention, if you will, yep, none of them were coming from a place of anger or trying to like poke a hole in her or anything like that. All they were trying to do is show, like, hey, we have all been through the same thing. 
Is it opportunistic for the camera? Sure. Guess what? You're on a reality TV show. All right. So just grin and bear it. Shit happens. As far as those three go, we've seen what these women can do to each other. We've seen how they can talk to each other. This was one of the more vulnerable, open, honest conversations out of Sharice, out of Ashley, out of Giselle. And if you can look at that conversation and not get some kind of support from it, I think it shows you what kind of headspace that she's in. And that to me, I'm done with the arrangement shit. I don't think it's an arrangement. I think that she is just stuck. And I think that she knows that she's stuck and she's not happy. And if she like leans into what they're doing with this whole thing and gives it more life, I don't think she sees a way out. I don't think she wants to get out because she's that downtrodden to where if I affirm what you ladies are saying, if I get on your team here, I have to make a move. I have to take action to rectify the situation. And I don't have it in me, girls. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of back on board with the arrangement thing. I'm not at all anymore. I just, it, it, it is tough to watch though, because I think we, we both looked at the scene the same way from last week or the week before. It looked like a vulnerable moment where people were opening up in hopes that Robin would open up, and she didn't. No. And she had another chance today where she's sitting down with all the women, and she's defensive and defensive and defensive. I am done. I don't want to even like support her. I don't even want to insist that, okay, no, you know what? She's just going through a really hard time. She doesn't know what to do, and she's just not really sure how her emotions are displayed when she's talking to these women. She doesn't really care about the collateral damage of saying that they weren't being sincere, and they were just trying to dig up information on her. I'm tired of it. I am too. I'm being done an with asshole it. To all of yeah, you're being a dick to people now openly who are just trying to help you. I'm done with it. I actually, I think full on, it's just an arrangement. I think she's pissed off that it came out. And I think that she doesn't feel like answering the questions and she's just going to keep deflecting. Well, my whole thing is she keeps referencing the block is hot. Like to me, that implies that, you know, there's shit happening. Yeah. Like you can't keep Well, they saying- did the same thing last year when she brought up the whole Karen in Vegas thing. I know. So it's, the block's always hot. But I, I and I'm with you, like. I am not going to keep getting amped up about this situation because they're not getting amped up about the situation. It's a shitty situation. But Robin and Karen have a conversation that they are going to be able to move forward. No more rumors. I like the addendum that was in there from Karen where she's like, I will say facts, implying like, "Mm, I'm still going to talk shit. I do think when Karen says something like that, though, I think that when she hears rumors, she believes them to be fact. So Um, I think she's still going to spill rumors. I don't know, man. Because it's coming like, from Karen, it's a fact. But is she wrong in this one? Probably not. Oh, so no. that's where like it's just that she didn't have hard evidence to back it up. I she's not one that just starts talking shit though. We even see like the flashback of that one scene when they were having the picnic in the park at the beginning of last season. Yeah, where they're talking shit about Mia, and she's like, "I'm not going to perpetuate this until we hear from her." I'm not saying anything. So like, at the ver- I'm not saying she hasn't started some rumors. But at the very least, when it comes to Karen, like we have video evidence of her not throwing somebody under the bus. We don't have that for a lot of the other women. No. That's all I'm saying. I feel like Karen's the type that wouldn't share the rumor unless she thought it was true, though. I think she's smarter than that. Yeah. I think she needs to have a little bit more. So she kind of just protected herself. So she can still do exactly what she's been doing. Right. But she had this conversation. So now when it comes back on her and she says something about Robin, she can say, hey. I think it's true. I think it's a fact. Yeah. Robin's playing checkers. The Grand Dame's playing chess. But. Wendy and Mia are still not cool. I don't know if they'll ever be cool. And to Wendy's credit, like, if you threw a drink at me, like, or if I threw a drink at you, would you be cool with me? Probably not. It's okay for her to not be cool. They don't have to, and I think this is something that gets under your skin, you don't have to be cool just because you're on the same show. Exactly. You are allowed to not like each other. That's okay. 
However, I do think that if it was a different or if the roles were reversed and Wendy threw the drink at Mia, I do think that Mia could get over that because that's kind of what Mia does. Like she's they live completely different lives. And Mia has been super open about this. I, you know, I talk shit. I get into these types of altercations. You know, this is what happens. But I can be okay with it at the end of the day. Wendy is not. So yeah. I feel like if it was the other way around, yeah, Mia would be pissed off for a couple of weeks and it would be a storyline for a while. But I think she could smooth it over at some point because she doesn't see it as that big of a deal. That's Wendy fair. sees it as like a huge slight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Wendy does take things very personally. And, uh, you know, getting a drink thrown at her is personal and it almost got physical. So like that I get. Yeah. She has a much harder time sweeping things under the rug and moving sure. on, especially compared to Mia. But we get one comment out of Wendy where... When Mia is questioning whether or not Wendy like uplifts women and the support mm -hmm. of other women. And she says that she can't lift her up because she's slow. And then she says, you're too low. And then she says, you're slow again. Now, sensitive subject, obviously. However, is Mia actually upset because her son has a speech impediment? Or is she using this, like Ashley said, oh, she found an angle and she's going to she's gonna uh, exploit it? Uh, the latter for sure. I think so, I, I don't think that Mia really, I, I think that Mia felt super disrespected by that and did not know what to say. I like can get on board with that. Yeah. Which is very rare for Mia because she usually has a comeback and whether the comeback lands or not is not Relevant. really her. Yeah. doesn't really matter for her. She's still going to say it, but she had nothing to say in that moment and she was being absolutely ripped apart by Wendy and Wendy had, there was no emotion there either. I think that's the biggest part is. If they were in some sort of like screaming match back and forth, it wouldn't really matter as much because then May can just get anything over as much as she wants. In this sense, it was a very calm, cool, and collected me or Wendy telling Mia, I don't want anything to do with you right. because of what you did and completely threw her under the bus by calling her low. And she was absolutely ripping her apart about the whole political views and saying that, you know, some some of this is a little highbrow and other people might not understand this. Talking about me directly. That wasn't political views. That was, yeah, was your intelligence level. Yeah. Well, no, no. She was talking about her political show. Oh. That's I that's know, when the conversation She about. was saying highbrow as in you're not smart enough to oh, understand yeah. what I'm talking about. Yes. So don't even try. It Which the two should way. be the same thing. Just because you understand, just because you follow politics, it doesn't make you smart. I, again, I don't think this is a political dig. I know it wasn't a political dig. I was just talking about the content. Okay. It's an intelligence dig. Now, you I mean, I, dumb. I made a political dig, but you're dumb. You're you're low. You're low. <laughs> but this is interesting to me when you get Robin and NECA together because NECA hasn't been around, right? So she doesn't know the ins and outs of Robin and Juan Dixon. She didn't watch the film. She didn't check tape. Nope. She did not check Monday tape. morning quarterback. But she comes in and says, it's weird. Like, you know, I'm sorry that people are telling you how to live your life. And Robin's like, oh, it's just social media and rumors. And it's being perpetuated by these people. It's like, no, it's being perpetuated by your dumb husband. And does NECA know about all of that stuff? Because if she did, she might not be rallying behind Robin of all people. And I like, this is the last person that I wanted her to hit your wagon to. For sure. I don't need her with Robin. I don't need Robin. I definitely don't need the newbie being besties with Robin. And she also needs to understand who Robin is cool with and who she isn't. And obviously right now she's not really cool with anybody outside of Giselle. The rest of them tried to get through to her, didn't get through to her. They're just going to leave her alone. NECA trying to hitch her wagon to Robin means that NECA is going to, at least initially, probably have the same type of relationship as Robin has with the other women. Yeah. Specifically Wendy. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't like it, but I do like when Wendy takes open digs 
and she's like inviting Ashley to the communion in front of multiple people that are not invited to the communion. Like to take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Everything she does is intentional. She has intent behind nearly every single thing she does and says. And there is a part of me that gets a little irritated with it sometimes, but there's a big part of me that's like, at least you're consistent and it does push the show forward. We're back with Wendy and Eddie and I need Eddie's sweatshirt. Oh, dude, right? Eddie, first of all, it was a dope sweatshirt. Like, that was a cool design. Yep. Second, it was hysterical. That Happy Eddie merch is, there's very few things I see on Bravo across the board where I'm like, oh, I would wear that. Especially when it's like, it came from the show. That's like, the I inception mean. of a clothing line came from the show. Shout out, Lala. There you go. Nice. But this one, I would wear a Happy Eddie sweatshirt. That thing was really cool. Yeah. But, um, they're talking about NECA and that whole situation, and we get it laid out again where Wendy's like, all right, isn't this weird, Eddie? I don't really know this chick, and she's out here talking shit about me. And it's really strange because you would have thought that she would have given me a chance to show who I am first. Now, I predicted this last week. I said, they've definitely met. Wendy's giving me the vibe that she's trying to act like they haven't, but I think that they have met. We get confirmation of that. From NECA, she says, like, we've had some interactions. We met at a concert. We met at a birthday party, something I like think. That. Maybe yeah, a wedding. Like a dinner or something. Yep. Maybe it was a wedding. And so she was confused by the fact that when they got to meet this time, she treated it as like, oh, it's nice to meet you instead of a nice to see you moment. Right. And we're kind of jumping around here, which is fine. But NECA starts to jump into a crazy story about Wendy's mom. And this is while they're at the communion. You get that. The side-by-side scene here is so good because- say juxtapose there. I can't. Juxtaposition. See, we can't go an episode without saying it. But let's, that's a good word. so hard to not say juxtaposed, and there it is. That's but fine. That scene juxtaposed <laughs> to this scene was amazing because you got Wendy's mom saying a prayer and she's getting animated with it. She's getting deep with it. And on the flip side, you have NECA saying her mom called my in-law and said that she put a curse on her. She had a shrine. She said that she had a shrine and that she prays for bad things about people and to ask around the DMV. You ask around about the people that I've put curses on essentially and see how they're doing. Newsflash, not great. Not great. So I did not see Wendy's mom becoming a huge, like this isn't like a Bravo reality TV villain. This is like a MCU Avengers level threat. You know how excited I got when I realized that this is what we're going to be focused on for a little while. I hope so. So you do believe NECA? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I I do too. I do too. And I, I think it's because it's funny. I'm giving NECA the benefit of the doubt because she's new. We don't have a track record with her. We don't have... I tend to do that too, yeah. Yeah, we don't have like the the game film, if you will, on how you know what her personality is, if she makes shit up or not. Sure. We do have it for Wendy. Yes. I can easily see Wendy turning the other cheek or giving... What did she say? Giving us like weird eyebrows from across the room. Uh, so she knows exactly who she is. And we've said that. We know that she knows who she is. Mm-hmm. Like there's no... Yeah, maybe you haven't cordially met and talked, but... When NECA starts talking about it and there's photographical evidence of her cousin and uh, Wendy's sister-in-law being friends, being in a, a wedding picture together, there's a, that's like one degree of separation. I thought Ivy was her sister. 
I was it his sister yeah, or sister in law? Oh, I thought it was like Eddie's sister. Oh, okay. They talk to the in laws. Okay, that's then, my point. Yeah. So there's then it's even closer. That's what I mean. Yeah, so it's, like, it's definitely know it's like this one person. degree of separation. So you absolutely know who this person is. So to act like you have no idea that furthers my belief in Neca. What she's saying because. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, all right, well, if you're refusing to acknowledge that there was some, even if it's not a relationship, but an acquaintance with this person, you're refusing to acknowledge it happened. But all this shit's happening behind the scenes and you have no idea who this woman is. There's no shot. Why do you think that she would do that though? Like, why would you try to downplay it if you know that this is the information that could come out? Because I think it paints her mom in a bad light, and I think well, you're it definitely not gonna, does. Yeah, you know, it's not you're not going to jump on. Her mom board. is cursing people. It absolutely paints her. But dude, mom. is that not like it's sick? It's so sick. It's fucking cool. I'm. So on board for this narrative. We got a little bit of the voodoo stuff in uh, Miami last year. If That's you right. That. Oh, it was uh, that was fun. What did they call it? it was uh, fuck. It oh, I'm thinking of New Jersey. <laughs> no, it started with a B. It was uh, boo, fuck, brujaria. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think that was it. I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, if this is where they go with it, like hell yeah. But backtracking ever so slightly, we do get a scene with. Karen and Mia and the kids, and like this is when we find out about her son having a disability, which I'm not saying he does not have a speech impediment by any means. I was just curious whether or not she was using that to her advantage and whether this actually upset her. Yeah, and I think Karen, she said, Karen's reaction to that was genuine. Yeah, well, it's not like Wendy knew what was going on. Like, I don't think that she was using it against you, so you can't be mad at her for saying that. You can be, you can be mad at her because she called you slow. Yeah, and you can also like educate her where you're like, hey. My son has this. Like, please don't. And you don't have to be. You guys I don't cool know, anyway. though, because if Mia did that in the moment, everybody at that table would be like, all right, that's a cop out. Yeah, that's true. Just because of Mia's track record. And that's the worst part is like, it's it's the boy who called or what is it, boy who called wolf? Boy who cried wolf. Boy, boy, oh, my God. What a, what a bad day this is for us. The boy who cried wolf. And I think that's kind of where it is. Like, Mia has set up herself for years now of that type of behavior. So she really can't say something that's true and have everybody believe it. Yeah, that's a good point. But we get Ashley with Karen and Karen gets bit by a bug walking. (laughs) So funny. It was funny. But the Michael lawsuit comes up and this is going to be frustrating because I will not sit here and listen to Ashley say time and time again, I don't know what's going on. You should ask Candace. She knows more what's going on. So we know you know what's going on. So either stop referencing it, start talking about it, or move on. Yep. I'm sick of it. Or Candace talk about it. Somebody talk about it. But I also understand if it's a lawsuit, like, you can't talk about it. And I guess Ashley's still technically... Oh! She's still technically married. Yes. Is that why? No. Dun, dun, dun. No, she's absolutely just, like, trying to not get involved However, when it comes to Ashley, anytime that she actively tries to not get involved with something, my she takes over. my flags go off. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. She's also behind the scenes trying to get involved. There's no, she doesn't like being out of yeah. the drama. She will insert herself into. So her stuff. wanting to be out of something like that makes me question why. Why is she not talking about this? Why is she not talking shit on Candace? Fair. She afraid of Candace? Michael going to oh, lose the lawsuit? No, she's definitely afraid of Candace. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Candace, she cuts the deepest. Like, Oh, which makes me laugh, by the way, when NECA and Robin were sitting at the bar when they were still at Ashley's party and Deborah walked behind them. Did you hear the music that Bravo played? No. Oh, dude, it was like this little like evil like cartoon music. I didn't in the even background. notice yeah, it. I was so funny. taking notes. That's hysterical. But even Karen acknowledges it. Like, we've all heard this rumor like that Candace is getting sued over. Yeah. It's just Candace talks the best shit. So she caught the stray. 
We've all been talking about it. Yep. She, the way she says things, she's so good at vocalizing shit talking that she caught a case because of it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like going to the Hall of Fame. I know. She is in the Hall of Fame of shit talking. There's no denying that. But we get clarification from Ashley that she is the one that said the art or brought up the article about Wendy being Osu and her family being Osu. It was yep. not NECA, as we know. But Karen is even like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, you cannot help yourself. You simply cannot help yourself. And then this is what drives me crazy with Ashley. And she did it earlier in the episode with the Michael Darby stuff. The playing dumb. Like, it's fooling anybody. So it goes to the confessional. She's like, I misremembered it. It's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You tried to start some shit. It worked. And now you're backpedaling. Because yep. that's what you do. You plant the seed. You walk. Like, there's a difference between her and some of the other, like Meredith Marks. She'll plant the seed and walk away. But why did she, she realize? She waters it ever so slightly. Why did she realize that? And why did she go to Wendy and say, hey, you know, I misremembered that. It was actually me that brought that up, not her. Why Why would she do that? Why wouldn't she just let, like, leave it go? Because that's what, that's what Ashley does best is says shit like that. Then the fights start to happen, and she just kind of moves herself out of the way. Motive here, I know, but what is it? We'll it's driving out. me crazy. We'll get to the bottom of it before it shows. We're pretty good. It's driving me crazy. We can do this, man. But we get to the first communion, and Ashley arrives and decides to sit directly next to Candace, which was a wild move to me. But this is what separates Candace from, I think, a lot of the rest of the women. I genuinely believe her when she says to Ashley, like, I can be in the same room as you. Like, mm-hmm. This can be fine. The problem is, I think Candace can definitely be in the same room, be cordial, all that stuff. Ashley cannot help herself to say something. The other women in the group can't help but say certain things. If you leave Candace be, I don't think she's going to like start shit. No, she definitely won't. But but they have to poke the bear. Like They cannot. They do, but also, I mean, Candace did start it off with a... Well, my bag's sitting there. Can I, can I get another chair for my bag well, so that you still don't sit cool. right next to me? Yeah, I know they're not cool. I think it's a dig from Ashley initially. But like, I think I'm gonna Candace sit is here. still going to take like take shots. Oh, I, yeah, of course. I At think least for now. And once things die down, she won't. But to know that they can be cordial, I believe that they can. I don't think Ashley's going to let it lie. I think she's going to poke the bear. I think Candace is going to snap back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And shit's going to escalate. But even in that moment, I, for me, when you break it down, and sorry for doing this, but you break it down logically, use your brain. I would never speak to you again. We wouldn't be in the same room together yeah. because of the shit that you started last year. Mm-hmm. You tried to ruin our marriage. And the way that Ashley goes about this, she acts like it's just some other drama that got started on a TV show. It's like, no, if you really break down the ins and outs of what you were attempting to do with your friends, with your skeevy gross friends that you connive behind the scenes to break up the marriage for good TV, like that's when you enter the level again of this is not fun. You don't go for people's marriages. You don't go for real life shit because there's real life ramifications. So yeah, it's very understandable that you guys cannot reconnect. And I love that Ashley in her side scenes without Candace plays the role of like a victim almost where it's like, oh, we just can't reconcile. Like she said, she wants nothing to do with me. It's like, right. yeah, why dude? Because you are deplorable. The shit that you pulled last year is awful. It's reprehensible. You shouldn't be in the same room as her. Yeah, I think those are like the two ways of thinking about being on a TV show like this too, where Ashley realizes, oh yeah, like I can do anything that I want and spark up any rumor that I want and everybody knows that it came from me and I expect them to just be okay with that when everything gets squashed at some point in time and then we can just move on and be friends again. That's not how it works. Candace is a better person than I am, better person than both of us are probably. 
she can sit there on the TV show and say, yeah, I can still be cordial with you, but I'm not going to be fucking friends with you. Yeah, we're done. After what you did. Like, that's that's a logical way to speak about it and also still be on the same TV show with them. Yeah. But that's when they start getting back into the conversation about what was said about the Osu article and all of that. And Ashley admits, at least, that, you know, I misremembered. I re- misrepresented the situation is what she says. Yes. Rather than say, yeah, I, I started some shit and that's my bad. I misrepresented the situation. NECA didn't say that stuff. My bad. And Wendy, thank God Wendy is Wendy because this isn't a moment where she's like, oh, it's fine. We're cool. Thanks for being honest. It's a moment where she's like, I'm going to log that in the back of my brain because you're shady as fuck. Goes to the cut of Candace doing what Candace does best. And she's like, see, I don't even have to say anything. I just let her do her thing. And she buries herself. She's so full of lies. That's why her forehead is so big. Yeah. But that's even what Candace said when we got the scene earlier uh, with Candace and Wendy out to lunch, mm-hmm. talking about Ashley. Candace said exactly what we've said for the last three weeks. Ashley has been in the show long enough, and she started enough shit that you know exactly what she's going to do. She's got the same playbook that she's always had. Yeah. So as soon as she says something, you know it's probably not true, and there's always some sort of another end of the story or from a different perspective that shows that Ashley's the one who perpetrated all of this. I think Wendy is slowly starting to realize that, too, because you have that conversation with Candace, and then the very next day, Ashley comes in and says, oh, you know what? NECA didn't say that. I said it. Uh, yeah, of course you did. Yeah, no shit. And for, I think that you're right. I think Wendy had, like, that aha moment where she's like, oh, this is how you operate. Yes. Because huh? I've seen it a little bit last year. We this need is- everybody to fucking know that. I just want everybody on this show to know how Ashley and Giselle operate. And Robin, to an extent. But Robin's got her own shit going on right now, so she's not going to be part of the, the whole green-eyed bandits thing. I think Ashley's kind of subbing in right now. I think that's true, and I think that it's hysterical. And we already talked about them discussing Wendy and Wendy's mom, but it's so funny to me that Robin's like, I have so much shit going on in my life right now. Maybe she put a curse on me. It's like, no, your husband did, dude. Yeah, no. Your husband put that curse on Your husband on or you. whatever weird-ass situation you guys have going on over there, that's the culprit. That's, it is not Wendy's mom. Wendy's mom may have cursed NECA and her family, did not curse you. Wanda, look in the family picture. That man standing next to you, he's the problem. I'm a little scared of Wendy's mom. I, we didn't say anything bad about Wendy's mom. No, no, I know. But I'm just, I don't want to. No, we, I don't either. I don't want to get cursed. All right. We, I don't want to end up on the shrine. Nope. We got too many things Too many things cooking right now. The bros are on fire. We, we do not need, we do not need a hex right now. Okay. No. I can't say it enough. You guys can make a shrine for us if you want. Anybody yeah, wants to put together fine. like a Brav Bro shrine? Well, I don't like that either, actually. A little maybe, creepy. Maybe a shooter shrine, but no, I don't be all right with that. that shrine. It's the highest form of a compliment. It's not surprising at all that you yeah. would actually enjoy that. But uh, I'm cool. <laughs> but that takes us to the question portion of the show. So let's jump right in. Up first from Marley W. Cahoon. Cahoon. Who do you think is a bigger narcissist, Shep or Linda? Linda. Yeah, me too. Because Linda has kids, and she abandoned her kids to go for her dream job in New York. Yeah, Linda. Which was waitressing, I think. And Shep is, at the very least, self-aware at times. Linda has shown zero self-awareness. So, Linda. From RSC Gen 28. If Ralph is the biggest asshole on Bravo and Ryan is the biggest douchebag, what's Juan Dixon? Hmm. He could be the biggest cheater. He's the biggest dickhead. Yeah. That's what he is. 
We're bringing that word back. Yeah, scumbag, maybe. Scumbag, the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh. Piece of shit. Nah, he's the. Fuck stick. Biggest loser. <laughs> nice. Now airing on ABC. I don't know. <laughs> Free plug. No, I think that show's gone. It's biggest loser time. It's daddy's, daddy's favorite. favorite show. <laughs> oh, he's, no, no. We can't do that. He blew up a car. He did a lot of things, apparently. We can't <laughs> reference him. From Maduro29, Ashley is so messy. Good for the show or bringing down the vibes? Bringing down the vibes. He's definitely bringing down the vibes. She's not. You can be messy as long as you use facts. We see it frequently. Lots yeah. of people on a lot of these shows are messy as hell. The biggest stars on these shows. You know what? It's not even, it's not even bring facts. It's be more creative. She does the same thing. I don't want her to be, I don't want her to be more creative. No, I'm just telling you what she might would successfully be bring I'm down not a marriage. Sick. You're putting words in my mouth. From I Kel, didn't say that. From Cal Minton. Not a question. The only time I've ever liked Wendy was seeing her with her kids for their communication. Oh, that wasn't a question, which you prefaced, I guess. So that's my fault for reading it all the way through. But uh, I'm not on the like or hate train on Wendy. I never really have been. There's moments that I really enjoy her on screen. There's moments that I don't. I think that she's good for the show. I think that her issue lies in she gets stuck on certain things that aren't good for the show, like the bar last year, that whole thing. Like I don't yeah. really care. I, I think that with Wendy, unfortunately, like for me, there's too many goddamn housewives on Potomac, so I, I don't, I really have an opinion of her because she doesn't get a ton of screen time. She's gotten more this year. Yeah. And well, like and she will. Center stage. So we'll, I'll hold my opinion on Wendy until. You know, a couple more weeks. Let's see how this more information goes. She's taking center stage of what could be. This is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be awesome and great to watch if we get into like the supernatural religious side of things. Is it is it disrespectful to say supernatural and religious? Not to me. Okay, cool. Or it's going to get so ridiculous and far fetched that we're going to be like, okay, we need to reel it in. Uh, I, I mean. Time will tell. It's like 75% the latter, probably. Time will tell. Time will tell, though. What is time? What is time? Baby, don't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) This this is where we're at in our lives. Okay? We are shells of For today. Next episode, we'll be back on point. I don't know. I kind of like this vibe. I I feel high. I got my bubbly hoodie on. This thing is cozy as shit. That's not even an ad. I just am a big fan of these bubbly hoodies. Yeah. Good hoodie uh, weather. What? Good hoodie weather. It's great hoodie weather. And uh, other than that, you got anything else? Uh, no. Guys are nine and one. Victory Tuesday today. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great Thanksgiving. And we will see you this week again. Don't you worry. We got two episodes. We don't stop for holidays. We don't have lives. We do whatever we have to do for all of you. We do have lives. Oh, we do? Yeah. Yeah, what are they? Bravo! <laughs> <laughs> But that's all I got. You got anything else? No. Stop asking me if I have anything. So uh, make sure you follow us on all of our socials at Brav underscore bros. YouTube, subscribe at Brav Bros Podcast. And uh, have yourselves a lovely Thanksgiving. You got anything else? Go birds. Go birds.
Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.